0: None of us can stand the thought that we are just taking up room on the planet. We want to believe that our life was created for some purpose and we want to know what that purpose is. We're very concerned to know our mission and there's never a time that we grow out of that question. What is my mission now? Near the end of the communist regime in Czechoslovakia, the playwright Vláclav Havel was arrested for his stand against totalitarianism. As you know, he later became the president of the Free Czech Republic. But during his four and a half years of hard labor in prison, Havel wrote some profound insights that he had discovered there about the meaning of life. These writings were smuggled out under the guise of being letters to his wife and were later published in a book called Letters to Olga. At one point, he says he can withstand the severity of hard labor in prison if he can just figure out his purpose there. Then at the kind of the climax of the book, he says, I've discovered that the secret of human beings is the secret of their responsibility. Now we may not have been to prison, but everybody in the room knows about hard labor. We know about hard labor at work. We know about hard labor at home. We know about hard labor in school. We know about hard labor in the church. Whenever the going gets difficult in these various areas of life, we find it irresistible but to ask the question, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this my responsibility? Is this my mission? Is this what I'm called to by God? You get a group of pastors together, it's it's only about 10 minutes before the word calling comes up. We we cannot resist asking this question. am Am I fulfilling my calling now? What about now? What about now? What's the next calling? And even long beyond retirement, the question just keeps returning. What is my call? We care a lot about knowing our call at every stage of life. The Apostle Paul also was very concerned about this topic of calling. In his letter to the Philippians, an epistle that I think is very much all about calling. It's striking that the Apostle begins not by talking about our calling, but he begins with discussing God's calling in the sixth verse of the first chapter he says, the one who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. That's God's call. To conduct a good work in your life that will be brought to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. This word for work is, in the Greek it's, it's I'm sorry for that part, but it's it's aragon. It's um, it's from where we get the word erg. Erg in physics, is a, um, it's a measure of work. Uh, the physics use this term, it's how they, they, they test uh, 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 how much work a, an instrument produces. Erg, E-R-G. Hang on to that because it comes up in the New York Times crossword all the time. <laughs> erg. By using this term, I think what the Apostle Paul is saying is that God's work in our life is constant, it's continual, at times it's even measurable at times. It's measurable. Just as the Spirit of God moved over creation, shoving aside the darkness and the chaos, completing a great work of beauty and light in its place, so is that creativity at work in the church, in the world, and in your life. Now you may not always be able to see this good work of God, this extraordinary creativity that shoves aside chaos and darkness and in its place creates beauty and light, but that's only because the good work has not yet been brought to completion. We're not yet to the day of Jesus Christ. Or as the apostle says in uh, chapter three, verse, verse 21, he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. We're not to the body of glory, but in the meantime, as he says earlier in that chapter, we press on, we just press on. Knowing the goal, moving towards a body of glory. When my daughter was in high school, she began uh, developing her gifts as a painter. And uh, then she went on to college to, to study art. And when she would be at home working on a canvas, I would try to sneak a glimpse of it. I'd walk behind her without her seeing me coming so I could see how the painting was unfolding on the canvas. And without thinking, I would say something like, oh my, which was not helpful. But when I waited until the painting was completed and there was an unveiling, I would always say, oh my. The body of humiliation will be transformed to the body of glory in the day of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, this is how the apostle concludes this letter on calling, in the meantime, He says, keep on doing the things that you've learned and received, and the God of peace will be with you. Keep on doing what you know is right. Keep on doing whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. You know these things to be right, keep on doing them. Do them again, and you 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 leave it to the Holy Spirit to figure out how this will be woven together to the body of glory. Your job, my job, our calling, our calling, is to keep on doing it. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. After wasting far too many years of my ministry trying to come up with something spectacular for God, it finally occurred to me that God prefers routine. Routine, ordinary acts of faithfulness. This is not what you were coming to reunion to hear as gospel. I know, <laughs> but I'm here standing behind Paul's words, the Word of God, to say to you, God loves routine. Who do you think created routine? If little things like electrons stop going around in circles, or big things like planets stop going around the sun, day after day after day, year after year after year, we are all in big trouble. They just keep fulfilling the routines they were created to fulfill. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All of creation knows how to give glory to God. It gives glory to God by doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again. Have you ever taken a little kid and thrown this kid up over your head, playing with the kid? You put it up there and the kid screams and wiggles and he screams, ah! You think he's having a little heart attack up there. So you put him down. What does that kid always say? Do it again. So you do it again. Ah! You put him down, do it again. You go through this six, seven times. It finally occurs to you, this kid's gonna last at this game a lot longer than you are. (laughs) Why do children keep saying, do it again? because they're created in the image of God. G.K. Chesterton has written that the sun climbs up into the sky every morning, not just because of the laws of nature, but because God commands the sun to get up there and do it again. And Chesterton even dares to say that God squeals like a little child and says, do it again, do it again. And it gives God such delight to see us do it again and again. Jesus is with us in these ordinary days where we do it again and again and again and again. And we think nothing much is happening. We dare to call the routine ordinary without recognizing that there is a savior involved in each of these ordinary days. Jesus understands ordinary. Jesus had ordinary days. I asked uh, one of our professors the New Testament, uh, Dr. Dale Allison, about this. We know that Jesus' ministry lasted three years, but if you add up all the days that are accounted for his ministry in the four Gospels, we cannot even come up with a year's worth of events that happened during those three years. Not even one year can we account for. You know what that means? That means that at the end of two out of every three days, Jesus looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and said, don't even write this one down. (laughs) they had to have had laundry days and stuff like that and they had to do it again and they did it again and they did it again and they did it again you know what this is like let me describe like a typical pastor's day you were up late the night before trying to put together a piece you had to write for a devotional and then so you overslept and it was one of those oh my god wake ups when you wake up like, oh, we're, in a, we're late, and you get your spouse up, and then you get the kids up, and you try to get the kids dressed, and your spouse, you know, you're bumping into each other, trying to get the shower done, and then you, you get onto the kitchen and the, get the kids there, and it's going to be a cold cereal breakfast, that's okay, because we're running late, and you get the kids there, and they're dressed, and, and you spend a lot of time looking for a missing sneaker, and you get the sneaker on, and then you break up a fight over the milk, and the milk goes all over your clothes, And then you look out the window just as you're ready to wipe the milk off your clothes, and you see your dog running across the street chasing the paper boy. And so you go out, and you get the dog, and you drag him back in, and you have to make the lunches before these kids. the bus is coming. And so you're putting the lunch together, and you realize it's peanut butter and jelly, but you've got nothing to wrap it in. You don't have paper bags, you don't have little baggies, so you just throw it in the backpacks. It'll be all right. And (laughs) Throw a buck in there as well, and you, you dress up your little cherubs, and you get them out to the bus. About that time, your spouse comes by with... An overnight bag says, oh, didn't I tell you I'm, I'm not going to be here today? I'll be out of town until tomorrow. You say, no, you, you didn't really mention that, which means you've got the whole ranch today, in addition to work. So you kids are off, you get yourself cleaned up as best you can, you find your own book bag, you get ready, you jump into the minivan, you get all the way to the end of the driveway before you remember that the dog has to go to the vet. So you come back up, you go back and you grab the dog, you're dragging the dog to the vet. He's going like this because the only time he ever goes in the minivan is when he's going to the vet. He knows what's coming. But you get him in there. The vet, of course, is in the opposite direction of the church. But you have to get him there because it took a long time to get this appointment. Church isn't your only calling. So you've got to get this dog to the vet. You get, finally, you get him there. Throw the dog in the vet. You say, yeah, I'll be back for him at the end of the day. Get back in your car. You realize when your beloved used the car, forgot to get gas. So you got, gets a little more gas. Finally, you get to work. And you're... Thrill that you have at least still one hour to work on your sermon preparation before all the meetings start. So you're sitting at your desk, you've got your Bible out, you've got the Greek New Testament out, you've got all the commentaries are out there, the theology books out there, you're poring over this, you just settle into this, 10 minutes into it, somebody opens the study door, it's the chair of the CE committee, she sees what you're doing, she says, oh good, you're not busy. <laughs> so there goes all of your study time, you're gonna talk about the CE budget instead. Then after that, you go into a long, long meeting with some of the other staff members and some other key volunteers. That's a planning meeting that goes on forever and ever and accomplishes very, very little. So you're fed up with this meeting, you bust out of the church, you say, I'm gonna go be a pastor. So you jump in your car again, take the minivan to the other side of town to go visit a parishioner who's in the hospital. You gotta fight the traffic, fight the freeways, get across the bridge. Finally, you get to the hospital, you go up to the desk to ask for the room number of this parishioner, only to learn that she's just been discharged, which means you're not getting credit for this one. <laughs> so you get back in your minivan, you haul back to church, and you're going in your mind, you're thinking through again, get that devotional just right, you know, well, it has gotta go, I don't have time, I, got, I gotta give that. Then you think about the lesson you have for the confirmands later, Uh, that's coming up soon, and you realize, oh, man, I I, um, I, I don't have this quite right yet either, and you're trying to, should I I talk about this? And and then you remember that these are teenagers, and they can't look cool unless they look bored, which does not bode well for your little lesson on the Trinity. (laughs) You get back to church only in time, uh, just in time, for the... um, your assistant just tell you that the copy machine is broken down and the repairman can't get here until next Monday, so would you mind taking the bullet into Kinko's? So you think, this is great, this keeps me out of the church a little bit longer, I'll, I'll take the bullet into Kinko's. So you take the bullet into Kinko's and uh, you, while you're there, you think, I can stop by the gym because it's right next to Kinko's and I'll get a workout. So you get to the gym, but you're at it there at a busy time and all the cool machines are gone, so all that's left is the treadmill. So you get on the treadmill where you run and run and run and get nowhere as if this isn't a metaphor. <laughs> you, then you realize you've got this confirmation class coming up, so you jump out, off the treadmill, you shower up, you go back to the class, you give your best shot at this confirmation class. Then you bust out of there because you remember that you're stuck with the, with the kids, you've got to take care of the kids. So you go hauling out of there, you pick the kids up late from school, they're looking at their watch when you get there, which is never a good sign. You take one of them to the piano lessons, you take another one to soccer practice, while they're there, it occurs to you there's nothing in the refrigerator for dinner, so you stop, use the time while they're uh, at practice to stop by the grocery store. And while you're at the grocery store, you get in and you realize you haven't thought about what you're going to have for dinner, you have no list, you're just pulling the cart up and down the aisles, you're just knocking stuff in, figuring <laughs> you'll think of something when you get there. You're in a big hurry now, because you've got to get back to pick these kids up, and you pick the slowest line in, in the cashiers, uh, then you move to a different line, only to discover, no, this is the slowest line, actually. (laughs) Finally, you get out of there, you throw the bags into the um, minivan, you pick the one kid up from piano, pick the other kid up from soccer, and you get into the house, break up another fight on the way home. Again, you have more callings than to be a pastor. You make the meal, it's not fabulous, but at least it's warm. You sit down for the meal, right then one of the kids say, so, where's the dog? You think, oh, the dog. (laughs) So you leave your meal to get cold, you go back to the vet, you get the dog, you get at the vet, they're all waiting for you, they're doing this also. You get the dog, you come back, you eat your cold dinner, you help your kids with some homework, you break up another fight, you pay some bills, you fix a leaky toilet, you get on the phone with your parent who says to you, you know, I don't think you're taking very good care of yourself. Like, this is a news flash. You read a bedtime story, you put the kids to bed, you try to get a little bit more work done on this material that you're trying to write and the next presentation you have to do tomorrow. Finally, at the end of the day, you fall to sleep in your bed, maybe even still wearing your clothes, absolutely exhausted. The next morning, an absolutely delighted God greets you in the new day and says to you, do it again. (laughs) And you will, you'll do it again and again, and again. Now it may be that you saw nothing remotely resembling mystery or a good work or glory in all of this. It's only because we haven't taught ourselves how to pay attention. You've got parishioners who would love to need a minivan, but they don't because they can't have children. You have other parishioners that would love to be in a boring meeting, but they've been out of work for a year. You have other parishioners who would love to keep up with your schedule, to have the health you have. Health to keep up with what you do, that's already a glimpse of glory. And as we attend to the blessings that we have day after day, if we we see the blessings in these ordinary, routine acts, the body of glory starts to emerge in our own lives. It's not our doing, it's what God does through these routine acts of faithfulness. I once had an echocardiogram done on my heart. Uh, if you ever get to pick your medical test, choose this one, because this one is really cool. It doesn't hurt at all, it's fascinating. They put this gooey stuff on your chest, And then the technician puts a little paddle up onto it, and you look into the monitor, and you can see your heart. This is like the Discovery Channel, but it's it's your heart up there. And you can even get inside the heart. And he's moving up to one spot where I'm seeing these these heart valves, and, and, and it just keeps opening and closing and opening and closing. And the tech is saying something, I can't even pay attention to them. I'm so fascinated by this heart valve that just keeps opening and closing, and opening and closing, and opening and closing. I'm thinking about how many times this valve has opened and closed over the course of my life. It never takes a break. That would be really deadly for me if it took a break. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't get vacation time. It can't even come to church unless you take it. It's, it just has to keep... <laughs> opening and closing and opening and closing and opening and closing. So then when I realized the power of this, how my life depended on this one valve, opening and closing, I started rooting for it. Do it again. Do it again. There we go. Do it again. One more time. Do it again. There we go. Now, most of you didn't wake up this morning hoping that your heart valves would keep doing it again. You took that for granted. But you all have parishioners for whom that is one of their first thoughts when they wake up in the morning because they've had terrible heart disease. Little tiny things in the body that keep doing it again and again and again, it all gives praise and glory to God. Now let me tell you about one of the most extraordinary acts of faithfulness again and again that the world has ever known. It wasn't enough for the Son of God to leave the splendors of heaven to be born into such humility. When he became 30 years of age, His father in heaven told him to do it again. So he left his home in Nazareth and he walked our streets and he healed our sick, he fed our hungry, and forgave our sins. And after every exhausting day, the father told him to do it again and to do it again and to do it again. And he did it again and again and again, all the way up to the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying, begging his father to relieve him from the next day. The Father said to do it again. And he died for the sins of the world. Now for those who passed by that day and saw the crucifixion of Jesus, it looked like just another ordinary routine crucifixion of a criminal on another ordinary routine Friday. Now we know there's nothing at all ordinary about that. It was the extraordinary moment of our salvation. It didn't look that way at the time. Now it is Good Friday. Now it is one of the holiest days of our year. But at the time, it just looked like plain old ordinary Friday. The point is that all of that extraordinary, amazing, incredible, world-changing grace is at work in your ordinary days, day after day after day. It's not our call to pull it down from heaven. It's not our call to, to make our lives look extraordinary. All of that is heaven's business in us our call is to keep on doing whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and pleasing and commendable. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen.